Good morning, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will. I like what the psalmist said. I will. I set my will in motion. I make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. Let's say that one more time. This is the day, let's do what the scripture says. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I understand a lot of folks say, well, Pastor Tim, it's easy for you to say that. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my family's going through. No, I don't. But I can say this. Your will, hold on just a second. My phone's turned up. I already got the live stream on. You don't know what my family's going through. So, anyway, I told you it's a 20-second delay. But here's the thing. What I'm going through, what you're going through, what our families are going through, that does not deny or annul the fact that God is large and in charge. Amen? So you know what? God, my Father, who loved me so much that he gave his only begotten Son for me, for you, he's on the throne. The Bible says he is the Ancient of Days. That means he's going to be there forever and ever and ever. And at his right hand, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, the life that I now live, I live. Come on, somebody. I live by the Son of God who loved me by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when I was a sinner, that Jesus that is at the right hand of the Father loved me, gave himself for me, and right now he's praying for me. So you know what? Yep, you might have some craziness going on in life. Your family might have some craziness going on. But I'm going to tell you what, in the midst of your storm, God is always faithful. In the midst of the chaos, God is going to remain faithful. He's not going to change. So you know what? Yes, this is the day that the Lord has made our will. I set my will in motion. I know I got a lot of stuff going on around me, but I'm going to set my motion, my mind in motion to do this. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Here's our hashtag for today. I want you to go ahead and pull your smart device out or whatever, your phone, your tablet. And uh, if you're watching, if you're with us online, we're glad you're joining us online. You can go ahead and hit the share button, share the video. Uh, we reached almost 4,600 people on, on Facebook alone last week. That's getting the word of God into people's lives. We're not here to make me famous nor Northview famous. We're here to make Jesus famous. So if the Holy Spirit gives me opportunity to get to this, this message today is going to be hashtag the book. How many of y'all ready? Yes. Amen. Y'all show Pastor Faith some love while she gets ready to let's usher in the presence of the Lord with the sounding of this shofar.
will worship Yahweh with extended hands. As my whole heart erupts in praise, I will tell everyone everywhere about your wonderful works. I will be glad to shout in triumph. I will sing praise to exalt your name, O Most High. For when I appear, appear, I worship. You will. While my enemies run in retreat, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have stood up for my, for my cause and vindicated me when I needed you most. From your righteous throne, you have given me justice. But Yahweh, our mighty God, remains forever. He sits enthroned as a king ready to render his verdict and judges with righteousness. He will issue a decree of judgment, deciding what is right for the entire world and dispensing justice for all. All who oppress may come to Yahweh as high shelter in the time of trouble and perfect hiding place for everyone who knows your wonderful name keeps putting their trust in you they can count on you for help no matter what oh lord you will never never neglect those who come to you listen everyone sing out your praises to god who rules in zion tell the world about all the miracles he has done and the miracles of promise keepers, he will stand on his promises. Hallelujah. Come on, can you turn your volume of praise up? Oh, you worthy. He's worthy. Come on and give him glory. Come on and make mention of his name. He's worthy. He's been so good. He's been so kind.
Father, we believe every single word, God. We take you at your word, Father. Hallelujah. This mountain can't be moved. They say these chains would never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. Help me sing. We've heard that there is no way. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move Seems to be your way. I 
on in your own way, just call on his name. Come on, he just wants to hear your voice this morning. Oh, we call on the name of Jesus today. Come on, there's just something about that name. Come on, and that, that name brings peace. That name, in that name is joy. In that name is hope. In that name is love. In that name, that name brings all chaos to order. Whatever it is you need this morning, in that name is where you find it. Come on, can we just call on his name? Can we lift our hands and love on him for just a moment? Oh, we love you, Jesus. We're thankful for you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised, Jesus. We just lift your name today. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we worship you this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because Jesus, you're holy. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, your sovereign, and I will put my hope in you. Come on, you have to make a decision to put your hope in him today. Jesus, because Jesus, you're holy, regardless of what it looks like. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, your sovereign, and I will put my hope in you. Come on, can we call on the name of the Lord? Can we lift him up in this place, Jesus? Because Jesus, you're holy. And Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, your sovereign, and I will put my hope in you. So I will worship while I wait. Come on, are you waiting for anything today? I will make the choice to to worship you so I will worship while I wait and I will make the choice to praise and I will put my hope and trust in your holy Jesus, you're holy. And Jesus, you're sovereign. And Jesus, you're sovereign. So I will put my hope in you. Come on, he's holy today. He's worthy. Jesus, you're holy. Jesus, you're 
hope in him today come on he wants to hear your voice I think we get so caught up on waiting for the words on the screen to show up well what he wants to hear is our heart to him this morning we're going to deal with things. So we're going to sing this song one more time before we pray over the needs. Actually, we uh, let me mention these needs and then as we sing, we're just going to sing over these needs that we have this morning, okay? Because he is 
holy and he is worthy and he is sovereign over everything yes he is you have to y'all all i can do is believe what he says that is literally all we have to hang on to in this world regardless of what you're going through you can hang on what the word of god says so we want to continue to pray for my mom for her physical needs pastor Faye's needs as they continue to heal donna ward a family bereaved doug brewer he has urgent physical needs denise garland she's at spartland spartland excuse me spartanburg regional rosetta gulledge and her mother there's some physical needs there her mom's in hospice Dana Castile, we believe that God's continuing to heal her, and Lee as well. We believe that God is doing a miracle in them, and there's many other needs on this prayer shield. We're not going to go into them all, but guess who knows all of them? The one we're just singing about. So let's sing that song again, and we're going to sing over these needs. And if you have something you're dealing with right now, and I bet you every one of you are, I want you to hang on to that. I want you to hang on to the fact that God sees you, he hears you, and he is working on your behalf. Amen. In Jesus, you're holy. In Jesus, you're worthy. In Jesus, you're sovereign.
just want to give up. But you know what? We've been singing about a God who's never given up on us. And I believe he would have me share with you the past three, past year and a half. I've had two different procedures on my prostate. And you know what? There's something still going on. I want you to be praying with me because I, I know God's in control. But you know what? I'm not telling you that to feel sorry for me. I'm telling you that God said there's somebody else here in the same place. You've been going through something. You said, what the heck? Just throw your hands up. But God had me tell you today, don't you quit. Don't you sell me short. Don't you quit on what I promised you. Don't you quit. Because just as soon as you quit, that miracle's right around the corner. What you've been praying for, what you've been going through, it's right around where it needs to be. I know where you are. And I know what it's going to take. So Father God would tell you, you trust me like you've been saying. Somebody's done ask you, is this just the words of a song or has it got meaning to you? You put meaning to it today and you stand on what I've told you. You trust what who I am. You be what you are. You're my child and I have for what I'm talking about what you need when you need it. People, that's what I'm standing on. I don't care what goes on in my physical body. I know who my God is. I know where I've been, but you know what? I know where I'm going. There's too many things that... Too many miracles I look at and see. Why not me? You know what God says? Why not you? So whoever it is, don't you quit. Don't you quit on our God. Don't you quit today. Don't let the enemy put them thoughts in your mind. You say, no, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not wavering to the right or the left. I'm staying straight with this thing until the very end, one way or the other. I'm not changing my mind on what God has told me. Don't you quit. God has, God has paid the price. That price wasn't a little bit. He went through a lot, y'all. I can't imagine. You know, I can't even stand to look at the, the advertisements of the passion because it hurts so bad. I, I saw that movie. And I can't imagine what he went through. And you know what? He knew it ahead of time what he was going to go through, but he loved us enough, and he wanted to do what he had to do for us. The least we can do is not give up. Don't quit. I'm telling you right now, I'm not quitting. I'm not slowing down. I believe I'm looking at a congregation who feels the same. Who's got the same spirit of God, the same drive. We've had the same teaching. So God would have me share that with y'all. Don't quit. Don't give up on me.
just receive that. Let God just let it take root in our hearts, that encouragement today. Father God, thank you for encouraging your people. Thank you that you care about everything that touches our lives, God. For every person here that feels like giving up, God, we will not. We will stand on your word like Brother Freddie said. God, we praise you and we thank you for your precious presence in this place today. Amen. And we honor you, God, and we thank you for the words you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We want to thank you for being here today. We want to give a special welcome to our online congregation. If everybody will give them a hand for joining us this morning. Yes. So good to see all our faith family here. We're glad to see you today. And if you're a first-time attender, if you'll look on the back of your bulletin, there's a form that says first time here, it just tears right off. And if you'll fill that out for us, and at the end of service, when you go out these doors to the right, there's a welcome center. There'll be people out there to take your form, give you a gift, and if you need prayer, they'll be glad to pray with you. So we're glad that you chose to be with us today. And um, next Sunday, we will have our first-time attenders luncheon. So if, if it's your first time today, if this has been your first time the last few months, if you've been coming since January and you haven't been to one yet, you're welcome to come. We would love to have you join us next Sunday immediately after service um, for a meal. You just come and enjoy it. And you get to meet some of our leadership and hear about our church. So we would love to have you join us next Sunday for that. Also, we do have corporate prayer and worship tonight at 6. We would love to have you join us. Y'all, we have an amazing time when we come together. It's just amazing what God does. And we pray for all of you, too. For whoever's not here, we pray for the church. We pray for our region. We just cover it all. So if you would love um, to join us, if you would, you know, God will honor you if you'll make that commitment to come out and pray. God honors that. So we just thank you for doing that. At this time, we're going to dismiss Children's Church. So our little beautiful people can go to Children's Church now. I know y'all been excited waiting for that. You know, our kids are so good during worship time. Now, I don't see everything, and you might be saying, oh, you haven't seen my child. But for the most part, our kids are really good during worship. That's a lot, yes. So we're thankful for that. So now it's time to give. Who's ready to give this morning? You're kind of ready to give. Some of you are ready to give. Who's ready to give this morning? Yes. We want to... We're not ready to give yet. Pastor Tam, could you come up, please? Pastor Tim's birthday, and I'm here to present him a card. Um, I'm talking like this because I had a little accident with my. <laughs> but anyway, um, I would like to present this card to you. This is from Northview Harvest Ministries, and uh, could we um, wish him a happy birthday, please? Let's sing it to him, please. Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Tim. Happy birthday to you. All right, now it's time to give. <laughs> so we want to, um, first off, thank all of you that give online because as you heard Chris last week, about 240 of you give online. And I know that is, that is so easy to do and we're glad that we can provide that for you. If you'll notice the screen, it'll tell you ways that you can give. But today we're going to receive the offerings that are going to be given today. So if you need a tithing envelope, if you would raise your hand, our ushers are coming forth now and they will get one for you, get one to you. So raise your hand, and they'll just hand you one really quickly if you're preparing to give in-house today. However you choose to, to give, we appreciate it very much. It's because of you that we can do what we do here at North Hue and how we can bless other people. So ushers, if you'll come forward as we get ready to bring our offerings to the Lord, if you'll stand, please, if you're able. And our praise band's going to play for us. And you can come give your offerings to the Lord. Thank you, priests of praise. Let's make our confessions over our offering today. 
And let's bless this again, as Pastor Kim said, thank you for your giving. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. And we are grateful that the Lord has blessed this ministry to be able to flourish and prosper financially and to do things, uh, do the things of the ministry because ministry takes money. And you know what? There, there's a lot of times that we give to other churches even in our town. Uh, one ministry was having VBS just a few weeks ago and I felt led of the Lord. I had Miss Chris uh, to write a check and we gave that to that church to help with their VBS. We just so, and that's not the first time we've done stuff like that. We do that quite often. Because you know what? You'll hear me say this oftentimes, we're not here to stockpile money. We're not a bucket, we're a conduit. A bucket just stores up and stores up. A conduit, it flows through, and that's what we're here for. Amen? So thank you for your giving today. Bless the Lord. All right. See, Mr. Tyler's already got us ready to rock and roll on this. Thank you, sir. Are we ready? Yes. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 13, 2, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his lips. Bishop Tony Miller once said, your words will frame your world. Amen. This is not name it, claim it, blab it, or grab it. This is lining yourself up with the fundamentals of the scripture. We make positive confessions from the word of God based upon the word of God. So, God wants to bless us. So let's make this confession. Ready? As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Now, if you have seen any of this in your life, your family in the last six months, I want you to shout, that's me. That's me. We give the Lord a praise because he's doing it. Amen. So we say, thank you, Lord for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There is abundance in this house. There is abundance in this house. There is abundance in this house in the name of Jesus and on the authority of God's holy word. Let's make our faith statement and we're gonna go ahead and bless this offering. We are ready, purpose-filled. We will not be denied and in Jesus' name. We will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Father, we bless this offering today and Lord, we pray that our words in these confessions, we line ourselves up with principles of your kingdom. Our confessions line themselves up, our words line themselves up with your promises. 
So we're not reaching into thin air and trying to pull something out. Lord, we are lining ourselves up with your word, almighty God. And bless this tithe and bless the offering today. Bless the obedience of your people. For we submit to you and your sovereignty. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, our provider. You are El Shaddai. You are more than enough. We thank you today. You are the shepherd who anoints our head with oil and our cup runs over in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, would you turn around and tell about three people you love them today and you're glad to be in the Lord's house with them? It's so good to see all of you today. It's been a great time of worship already, hasn't it? And the Lord is good to us. And I understand some of my Marlboro County folks, especially those that are in the Marlboro County education system, y'all are excited about tomorrow. Because school's starting back there. And I, Scotland will be soon around the corner. And I don't know about the uh, private schools. But y'all... We need some land to expand. We've got $142,000, I believe it is, sitting in a designated fund to buy some land. And nobody's wanting to budge right now. So I need y'all to pray with me. I made an offer on 54 acres across the street, right across the street here. We need some land. We need a Christian school over here, a Pentecostal, charismatic, full-blown, teaching and preaching the word of God. We, so we, we need God to massage some hearts to make us some, some bending to let us buy some land, all right? He's going to do it. He told us to do it, and we're just waiting on his time, okay? And we're going to get that party started. So I'm hoping uh, next year at school season starts, we're going to have some land, have something cleared, and have something up. We can start something. Somebody give the Lord a praise in this room. Amen. Now, I've got a word in my heart today that's been burning in me for several days, and I want to give that to you. I don't know that I am going to be able to do it all in one sitting. Uh, so I need you to work with me. If you're taking notes, are you going to watch this later, or you need to get your uh, phone out and take pictures of the screens up here? But I'm going to cover some ground today. But if you've got your Bible, I want you to open it with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Fancy that. If you've been following me on Facebook, any you've seen I put a couple of pictures up. I've been in Hebrews for, I don't know, about a month just in the book of Hebrews. And I'm just now really getting to chapter 10. And you can say, Pastor Tim, why are you doing that? Why did you do that? Because... My wife and I have been going through a trial of our faith in a situation with a family member that we love dearly. And I was not going to allow the enemy to make me mad, bitter, or offended, or fearful. So I determined, you know what? 
I said, God, I'm going to immerse myself with every spare moment I can squeeze. I'm going to immerse. Y'all know what immerse means? That's like when you get baptized. We don't do that sprinkle stuff. That's not immersion. That's sprinklation. Yeah, I just made that up so you can work with me. We believe in immersion when you put them under the water. So I determined I was going to put everything about me into the word of God. And I figured if the washing of the water of the word can do something. I figured if a little bit of washing was good, then immersion's got to be better. So I felt the Lord tell me, the Holy Spirit tell me to go to the book of Hebrews. So that's where I've been at. So Hebrews chapter 10, if you're there, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And I'm going to read one verse as a launching pad. And then we're going to get into what I have on prepared for you on the screens here. All right. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then, this is Jesus talking. Then I said, behold, I have come. How many of y'all glad he came before we read on any further? How many of y'all just glad that he came? Man, I'm glad I got five saved people up in this building today. All right, let me do it. Let me try that again. I don't know if y'all didn't have y'all sugar this morning or what? Your caffeine? How many of y'all glad that he came? Yes. Whew. Then I said, behold, I have come. And look what he says. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. What book, Pastor Tim? Genesis? Yeah. Oh, really? What about Exodus? Yep. What about Leviticus? Yep. What about Numbers? Yep. Okay, let's go ahead and cut to the chase. You go from the front to the back. This is the book he's talking about and the whole volume of it. It's all about him. So today, I'm going to preach to you from Genesis to Revelation. I'm just joking. I've got to be in upstate by 6 o'clock today. So uh, let's get this party started, all right? <clears throat> Jesus said, Behold, I've come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, and it does not stop there. What's the book all about? Jesus came to do your will, O Lord. Jesus came to do the Father's will. And what was that? Get us back. Look at two people. Tell them Jesus loves you today. Now, I need you to say this. Say self. The whole book is about Jesus. So let me hold on before we move on. There's some dum-dums out there. Yeah, I'm going to call it that. There's some folk not too bright. They're trying to act bright. They're trying to tell us the Old Testament doesn't count anymore. Well, if you stop and think about it, the writer to the Hebrews is writing in reference to the Old Testament. So Jesus is saying, the Old Testament, I'm in the volume of that book. Look at your neighbor and say, he's all through the book. And let's work on this today. In fact, we're going to start somewhere good right here. Moses' tabernacle. We're going to start in Exodus chapter. No, we're not turning there. Hold on. I need you to write this down there. Write this down. Exodus 39 and 40. Exodus chapters 39 and 40. Everybody say that. Exodus 39 and 40. In those two chapters, you're going to find this phrase 13 times as the Lord said. All right? 
as the Lord said. So God told Moses, you're gonna see when I get over to Hebrews later why this is important. God told Moses, this is the way, I want you to build a tabernacle, a place of worship. And uh, the way this is looking, that white exterior box, that was actually a, a, uh, a seven and a half foot wall that was kind of like a privacy fence, okay? Now all of this, was portable. They could go in and take it all down because the children of Israel, y'all know they were portable in the desert in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Whenever the cloud of God moved, they had to pack up. Could you imagine that? We ain't talking about some little pup tents, y'all. I'm talking, you imagine having two or three or four kids, a dog, a cat, a camel, and a donkey, and all that stuff you got to carry around, and Danny, by the time you got it all unloaded and unpacked, by that time the clouds start moving again. You got to pack it all back up. Is anybody here what I'm telling y'all today? And when they set up these tents, I'm talking about posts. They, this is like a small house, y'all, okay? So this right here, and it says God told Moses everything he wanted done. He told him the dimensions. He told him what kind of wood to use. Uh, the white uh, outer wall right there, if you'll see, it's got those little, I meant to bring a, a laser with me, and I'm sorry I forgot it, but if you'll see the little brown things, those are posts. The posts had to be made out of a certain thing. They had brass fittings that they set down in the ground. Everything. There, there were rods that went from post to post. They had uh, like curtain, like those, uh, not hooks, but they had like these, uh, what am I saying, these round things, rings. And so they had these curtains that were actually, that would go through the rods. They had to be a certain color. They had to be made of a certain material. They had to be a certain length, a certain height, certain width, everything. And when you get into the interior, they called that the inner court. Everybody say that inner court. Now, if you want to see how big this thing was, actually that picture looks nice and cute, but it was actually probably as big as this sanctuary. In fact, uh, I meant to ask Anthony a little earlier, what, what do you think the dimensions of this sanctuary are? Does anybody know? Don't start counting the ceiling tiles now. It's too late for that. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you, this, that outer court, that white wall was 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. So this isn't just a few little pieces just to set up the wall, y'all. This is a massive undertaking. Every time they had to take it down, store it, travel with it, unpack it, set it up again. And then when you get inside, I'm gonna have to run with this a little bit. Y'all see over here with that black arrow going in? There was only one way to get in there. And in fact, Jesus is found in the volume of the book. And I'm gonna show you Jesus is found in this one thing right here. Because God told Moses what to build it, what it had to look like, what it had to be made of. Because listen to me, y'all, over in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that heaven is set up just like this. Amen. And in this, you're gonna see Jesus. In fact, there's only one way to get in there. Check this out. And the gate... That one way, that gate to come into the courtyard, it always had to face east. And God told them, when y'all set up camps, those 12 tribes, the tribe of Judah is always right in front of the gate. Oh, y'all ain't gonna get this yet. But it seemed like a few uh, hundred years later, the psalmist said, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And what is Judah? Praise. Why did it always have to face east? Because in the book of Matthew, I think it's verse 24, Jesus said like the like lightning coming out of the east, so is it gonna be with the son of man. So you need to keep your eye on the eastern sky because Jesus is coming back and is coming back out of the east. Are we together here? Can 
and I venture, can I just meddle a little bit? Jesus said there's only one way into this courtyard. There's only one way into this place of worship. And Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to the Father except by me. So if anybody else comes up to you or you're watching television and somebody's preaching and telling you there might be another way, you better go ahead and turn that junk off. In fact, I'm almost tempted to call a name right here because there was a young preacher that has 20,000 people in his church every Sunday. Not to count all the hundreds of thousands watching on TV. And a few years ago, Larry King was interviewing him live. Listen to me now. It's time for us to start drawing a line in the sand. These people, some of these people you don't need to be listening to. And Larry King looked at him with millions of people watching, he asked the young pastor, he said, is there another way apart from Jesus? And the young pastor hemmed and he hauled in silence and insecurity and he said, well, there may be another way. I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't care how many thousands he's got on Sunday and I don't care how many viewers he's got and I'm gonna tell you, his book is entitled Your Best Life Now. And if you're going to have your best life now, you must not be planning on going to heaven. Because your best life is going to be when you take your last breath and go into eternity and to be with Jesus. I'm sorry, come on. Look, we are coming down to the last days, folks, and the Bible says that the very elect will be deceived. So when we start seeing these folks that are, that are just kind of proliferate, proliferating this false stuff, we need to have the unction to say, you know what, that's not right. But here's a problem we've got in America right now. Hosea chapter four, verse six says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. But that verse does not end there. The Bible, goes, God goes on to say, he says, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you and your seed. So you know what? Here's the book right here. One of the greatest epidemics we've got in America right now is not illiteracy from the school level, it's biblical illiteracy in the church level. That's why, look, don't listen to what I say only. Take what I say, go home with it, and get your Bible out and say, let me see if this man was telling me the truth. Uh-huh, and, and I was watching a fellow the other day and he started spewing out all these Greek words and Hebrew words and definitions. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I knew that brother was blowing smoke. So I paused his video and I pulled out my own Greek and Hebrew dictionaries and what he was saying was nothing close. I hit the stop button, not the pause button from there on. Come on, somebody, we need to draw a line in the sand. There's only one way to get into the presence of God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's the only way, and if somebody's trying to propaganda you something else other than that, you don't wanna have anything to do with it. I'm here for Jesus. I'm here to make Jesus famous. I don't care if anybody knows who Tim Hodge is, but if I can point you to Jesus, and if I can keep somebody from falling into to spiritual failure, then I've done my job as a pastor and as a shepherd. 
That's good preaching. I know we're not accustomed to preachers meddling with stuff like that. But boy, America's going to hell in a handbasket. Somebody better start meddling. So when you come into this holy place, when you come into the court, that, that gold box there on the, on the right, that is the brazen altar. That's where they would sacrifice the animals. They would fillet them. They would take the meat, the fat and stuff. And, and it, that thing was actually like a brazen grill. It was like a big grill. They always kept a fire burning and the priests would go in there and they'd lay that stuff on top of that grill and they had to burn it before the Lord. And then when they'd go past that coming on in, you see that little round thing? That was a brazen labor. It was like a big three-foot sink that they would fill with water because these priests are continually sacrificing, butchering, filleting animals. Now, some of you city folk, that means nothing to y'all. But how many of our hunters have I got in here that's ever killed a deer and you dressed it out in the woods or you dressed it yourself? Now, you could be the little rats, little rich, uh, little Lord Fauntleroy hunter if you want to and take it to the process and pay him money to do it for you. But how many of y'all ever cut a deer open? How many of you ever gutted a fish? How many of y'all ever cleaned a squirrel? Where had the rest of y'all been at? Y'all in North Carolina, right? Well, let me go ahead and tell you, those of you that raised your hands, wave them at me one more time. Let me ask you a question. Keith, I'll mess with you a little bit because you're my brother from another mother. You're gonna get dirty, right? You're gonna get bloody, right? Even if it's just a squirrel, you're gonna get blood, you're gonna get fur on you, you start running your fingers down through there to pull those guts out. If you kill it, you gotta eat it. You're gonna be messy. If it's a rabbit, you're gonna be messy. If it's a deer, you're gonna be a lot more messy. Imagine these guys are doing that to cows and lambs. They're getting this blood and guts and stink stuff and it don't matter how you try to keep your hands away from certain parts, they're gonna accidentally make a mess sometime and you're gonna get stinky stuff on you. I'm gonna move on right there. So when these priests got through gutting and cleaning these animals and getting the meat ready, they would go over this brazen laver and they would look down into that water and they could see, even in brass, their reflection down at the bottom of it to see if they had cut something and guts had splattered and threw blood or other bodily fluids on their face. So while they're at that water, they had to wash themselves off. To us, listen, to us at that altar of sacrifice, that's where Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away our sin. But you don't need to stop there because you know what? There's still some more stuff God wants to do. He just doesn't want to forgive you of your sins. He wants to continue that work inside of you so that water is, is uh, symbolic of being sanctified. He wants to wash you and make you clean and pure. He wants to get the junk that you've got dried on you from your days of being see before Christ when you were in the world. He wants to clean you. He just doesn't want to clean you on the outside. He wants to clean your actions. He wants to clean your thought life. Is anybody hearing anything today? And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. Hello, somebody. In fact, Jesus said this in John 17. He said to the Father, he said, sanctify them by the word. I thank God today that his word sanctifies us. Amen? And then they would come in. Y'all see this little square thing in there? That was like two enclosed rooms. Are we together? And that first one is called the holy place. And it was 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. The ceiling was 10 and a half foot wide. And it too was made up by posts and rods and curtains. And it had different kinds of material that would cover the roof. So it was like an enclosed fancy tent. 
Inside though, if you'll notice, it says the menorah, it had, if you walked in there, let's look at it this way, so we're looking at the picture. If I walked into that doorway and I look on the left, there's the golden lampstand. If I look on the right, you see that little thing with the two brown things? That's like the table of showbread. They would put out 12 loaves every day, bread symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there's that little brown box when you walk in a little farther. That's the altar of incense. Listen to me now. How many of y'all know Jesus said about that candlestick? He said, I am the light of the world. How many of you, he's the light of your world today? Amen? And then he said, I am the bread of life. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of you know Jesus is the fulfillment of that very thing right there? And so you know what? When he took the final supper with his disciples, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body. So when I look at the showbread, I'm seeing Jesus. He said, lo, I come, and it's written of me in the volume of the book. Folks, let me go ahead and say this. This tabernacle was established about 1450 B.C. So 1,450 years before Jesus was born, Moses told, God told Moses what to build, how to build it, and inside of this thing you had Jesus the whole time. Why is this so important? Well, let's go on just a little bit because there was one more doorway into this next room and that next room was a 15 by 15 foot room and that is where you had the Ark of the Covenant and that is referred to as the Holy of Holies. There was a very thick veil that covered going into that room and just anybody couldn't go in there. In fact, the high priest, once a year in a time of worship, he would have to go in there with an animal sacrifice for his sin and the nation of Israel's sin. Tradition says that when that Ark of the Covenant, y'all seen the Indiana Jones, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. That golden box. The box was overlaid with gold, but that lid was solid gold and had those two angels on top and their wings touched over the top of that thing. And folks, tradition has it that when they would put this thing in that room, there was no light source, that the very glory of God would begin to glow over the top of that thing. And it was referred to as the mercy seat. So the high priest would go in there with the blood of animals once a year and a basin of blood from those animals he had sacrificed and he would pour it out on that golden slab implying that God was temporarily covering the sins of Israel. That's important. I'm going to mention that in just a minute. Because here's the thing. In the old system here, only the high priest could go in there. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, the gospel of Matthew, I believe it is, says that the veil in the temple at that time, made in this same layout in Herod's temple, that doorway going into that holy of holies was 40 foot high and they had a special made veil because the Romans and Herod was wanting to appease the Israelites so much. Everything about that temple, they went over and above and they had a veil made. They said it's as thick as a man's hand, the fabric was. It had gold and silver thread and they had actually woven diamonds and precious jewels into it because behind that veil was symbolic of where the very presence of God was and when Jesus cried it is finished it says listen now the Bible says somebody say the Bible says look at it look at I'm gonna say it one more time the Bible says can I say it one more time 
The Bible says, not me, not anybody else, the Bible says that when Jesus cried out, it is finished, that that 40 foot high veil ripped open not from the ground up implying, man, if you'll try hard enough, you can come into me now. Nope, it was torn from the top. It ripped wide open when Jesus died. And you know what that was? That was God tearing the way open and it was God saying, I want you. I want you. I made a way for you to come to me. Look at somebody say, it's all about Jesus. Say it one more time, it's all about Jesus. Now here, why do we worship? Why do we worship and what is the flow of worship? Look at this right here. Jesus said, lo, it is written to me in the volume of the book. We've still got this same layout, but look at here. Look where it says enter. There's only one way to enter. I don't care if your membership, if your name's on 10 church memberships in the United States of America. If your names are written in heaven, you can't worship God. You cannot come into the presence of God. You can be like a tick on a dog and ride somebody else's praise. I want Jesus for Tim. I don't want, I don't want Kim's Jesus. I don't want Michelle's Jesus. I don't want Joyce's Jesus. I need Jesus for me. Come on, somebody. I want Jesus for me. I want everything Jesus has got for me. Can I get a witness here? But look at here, look at here, look at here. When they come in, they come into the gate and they come to that, that brazen altar and look where it says sacrifice and confession. That's where we come for salvation. And then uh, you, go on, you keep on going. Folks in worship, this is a pathway. This, look at this, we come to the labor. In worship, there comes a time we ought to be asking God, God, sanctify me fresh, cleanse me. Lord, if there's anything that's in my heart or my mind, because how many of y'all know that the devil's a sneaky devil? Sin is sneaky, amen? Offense, bitterness. The book of Hebrews tells us to be, be careful, beware, lest a root of bitterness spring forth in our heart. How many of y'all, how many of y'all ever had a, you ever seen a sidewalk or had a sidewalk or a driveway, cement driveway, and there was a root underneath it and you didn't know until one day you came out and you hadn't noticed it before, there's a little crack. And a few weeks later the crack's getting bigger because the root's getting bigger. Uh-huh. And you know what? Have you ever said, I gotta cut that root up? And have you ever gone out and try to cut that root up? If you could've got it when it was about that big, that'd have been great. But you didn't know it was there when it was that big. But when it got that big, then it's causing problems. And you go out and try to cut that sucker up, you better be prepared. It ain't gonna get done real quick. I'm talking to somebody up in this room today. It's gonna take you a while to get rid of that root. But I'm telling you what, if you don't get rid of the root, it's gonna keep on causing more and more problems. And that's the way offense and bitterness and unforgiveness can be in our heart. Folks, listen, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. So we need to be careful with things like bitterness. So when it comes time and worship that we can stand in the presence of Jesus. That's why most of the old school ways, you know, we just gotta, I wish they'd hurry up with that singing so we could get to the preaching so we can get the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like worship was a precursor to preaching that we had to endure so then we could go to sleep during the sermon. 
Maybe worship's nothing to endure. And it's not something we have to, oh, we gotta go through this. It's something we get to do. So look, in a time of worship, when you come into a place and we're just waiting, you're just worshiping God, we ought to be saying in our heart and our mind, Jesus, wash me fresh, sanctify me fresh. If there's something that's attached itself to me, an attitude or a sin or a lust or an anger issue or something that I lost it this week, Lord, I've repented, but I just need you to wash my mind clean. I need you to make me new. And that comes by us waiting in the presence of God at the labor that can only be done by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. And look at here. Then you go into the first doorway and you go into the holy place. And that's when we see Jesus is the light. Man, I love it when Jesus enlightens me to stuff in my life or in the word of God. Man, sometimes you may see me up here uh, during worship. I'll grab my Bible and I'll start flipping for something because during worship, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about a word or about a verse or a passage. So I got to get over there or you'll see me grab my journal and whip it out because something that was said during worship, some maybe even a phrase and a lyric of a song, it's like the Holy Spirit shines a laser in my heart with that phrase and I've got to write that down because I know that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me and we go on and on and on until we end up get this get this get this ready for this those first two things a lot of people go there but that's kind of like going out of duty there's not a lot, of, a lot of people don't like to do that. They're, they're doing it out of duty. It's like a religious thing. But once you get into that holy place, that's when you start feeling the heart of the matter. Your heart is calling you for a deeper walk with God. And when you get into the holy of holies, folks, that's where the very presence of the fathers, that's where you can, you can dwell and linger in the face of God. That's where transformation takes place. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Come on. And as we behold him, we are all changed, transformed, metamorphosis, like a, like a caterpillar in a cocoon. We are changed supernaturally into his image. You want to see something really cool? If you play dot to dot with all that, this is what you get. a cross and it's all about Jesus and he said lo I come and it is written me in the written of me in the volume of the book get this y'all for 1450 years people kept coming in and worshiping inside that structure that same format and when Jesus came, he says, here I am. And nobody recognized him. Because they were so used to looking at animals burning on a fire, they didn't realize. When John the Baptist looked, John recognized him prophetically. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. How many of y'all glad he came? I'm not going to go any farther today. Uh, by the way, that's just the introduction to, to this message on the book. 
because we got that, we got this, we got this. And that's, that's good stuff, but there's even more coming up after that. In fact, let's end with this. Say this with me. Say, the volume of the book is all about Jesus. So let's end with this right here. Ready? In Genesis, he's the creator, the breath of life, and the seed of the woman. Let's just walk through the book very quickly. We're just going to read these off. I'm not even going to comment. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to exhort. In the book of Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In the book of Leviticus, Jesus is the high priest. In the book of Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In the book of Deuteronomy, he is the guide that is leading us all through wilderness places. Hallelujah. In the book of Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army. In the book of Judges, Jesus is the righteous judge and lawgiver. In the book of Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. And boy, that's a good one to hang out on. But in First and Second Samuel, he is the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In the book of Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of everything broken. I'm going to say that one again. In the book of Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of everything that is broken. In the book of Esther, he is our Mordecai and our advocate. In the book of Job, he is the ever-living redeemer. And let me just say right there, as Job said, I know my redeemer lives. Woo! Even in the pit, Job is saying, I know my redeemer. I said I wasn't going to say anything. In the book of Psalms, he is the shepherd. I gotta say something there. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk by that leading even through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies hallelujah you anoint my head with oil my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever for he came and said behold it is written to me in the volume of the book I got to hurry up. Glory to God Almighty. In the book of Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning of life. In the song of Solomon, he is the loving bridegroom. In the prophet Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In the book of Ezekiel, he is the glorious Lord. In the book of Daniel, oh Lord, have mercy, he is the fourth man in the fire. And let me just say this, if you don't know what that is, there were three Hebrew boys who refused to bow and worship a pagan idol and the king said, I'm gonna heat the furnace up seven times hotter and throw y'all in if you don't bow. And those boys responded, king, then do what you gotta do. This is the Tim Hodge McCall version, okay? You do what you gotta do because God is able to deliver us and even if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow to you. He can, but if he doesn't. He can, but if he doesn't, 
And so they heated that thing up. The fire was so hot, the mint hot, that the men that were leading those boys down the hallway got them tied up, leading them down at Spear Point. The fire was so hot, the men taking them down the hallway fell dead. But you know what? Those boys didn't turn around and run away from the fire. They kept on walking right into it. Man, well, I might have to run around in this building up here because you know what? He said, Lord, it is written to me in the volume of the book. My God Almighty. Those boys kept on walking right into that furnace and the king's peering through the flames and he looks around at those that are with him, all of the governors and dignitaries and the brines and the brains of his day. He said, how many did we throw in there? They said, three, your majesty. He said, I see a fourth man. I see a fourth person in that fire. One like as the son of man. No, it is written of him in the volume of the book. Somebody give the Lord a praise in here today. In the book of Hosea, he is the faithful husband. And if you don't know this, Hosea was a prophet. God told him to go marry a prostitute. And he went and married her and brought her home, gave her a good life. And she kept running away, sneaking away and going back to that, that lifestyle of perversion and prostitution. And God kept saying, go get her. Because that's the way na the nation of Israel has been with me. And you know what? If we look in the mirror, we can say, what was his wife's name? Gomer? We can say to ourselves, you know what? There may have been some areas in our lives that we've gone running after sin. And God didn't give up on us either. Somebody ought to give him a praise for that today. Hallelujah. So in the book of Hosea, every time God told Hosea, go find her, go get her, get her back home. Well, let me tell you something. He didn't just tell the prophet that Jesus is the faithful husband to his church. Amen. In the book of Joel, he is the outpourer of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Amos, he is the burden bearer. In the book of Obadiah, he is the judge and savior. In the book of Jonah, Lord, let me just say this, and I'm gonna get on out of here. In the book of Jonah, y'all remember Jesus said, as Jonah was in the in the belly of the fish for three days, so will the Son of Man be. Oh, no, it is written of me in the volume of the book. Everybody thought they were just talking about a story. Some people think it was just fiction. It's just made up. Ain't no way a man could be in the belly of a whale and come out belly of a big fish and come out three days later. Well, let me tell you something. There's no way a man can be in a tomb for three days and come out either except it's a miracle and I serve a miracle working God. Lo, he said, it is written of me in the volume of the book. So in the book of Jonah, he is our risen prophet. If he's your resurrected Lord today, give him a praise, would you? My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, in the book of Micah, he is the ruler of the world from that little town in Bethlehem. In the book of Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In the book of Habakkuk, he is our watchman standing on the wall, hearing the voice of his father and crying it out to humanity. In the book of Zephaniah, he is the one who is mighty to save. In the book of Haggai, he is our restoration. He is our restorer. In the book of Zechariah, he is the branch of David. He is the one pierced for us. In the book of Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In the book of Matthew, he's the king. In the book of Mark, he is the servant. In the book of Luke, 
I'm just going to cut through and give you the Tim Hodge version of this. He's the perfect man. In the book of John, he's the son of God and the living word. In the book of Acts, he is the savior of the world and he is the ascended Lord. And I cannot remind you what those men told Peter and John and the other guys when Jesus went up and they're standing there with their mouth dropped open because Jesus went up to the sky and disappeared. And all of a sudden, two men appeared beside him and said, why do you stand here gawking and looking up? Because the same man that he went up, he's gonna come the same way again. I need somebody to high five yourself and say, he's coming again. No, it is written on me in the volume of the book. In the book of Romans, he is our justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is our comfort. In Galatians, he is our liberty. In the book of Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In the book of Philippians, he is our joy. In the book of Colossians, he is the completeness and the superglue of the universe. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is the coming king. Somebody shout amen to that today. Woo, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming again. In the first and second Timothy, he is our mediator. In Philemon, he is our benefactor. In Titus, he is our blessed hope. In the book of Hebrews, he is our perfection and our high priest. In the book of James, he is the power behind our faith. In first and second Peter, he is the chief shepherd and the cornerstone. My, my, my. Y'all ready? Because we're getting right there to the end of the book, right? First, second, and third John, he is our truth and everlasting life. In the book of Jude, he is our security and the foundation of our faith. And I would like for you to stand to your feet if it is written of him in the volume of the book. That book of Jude is not the last book. There's one more book. Somebody asked me, sent me a private message the other day on Facebook, a good friend of mine, a young man that's like a spiritual son, and he was asking me some eschatological end time questions. And I said, be honest with you, buddy, what you're asking, I don't have, a que I don't have, I don't have an answer for it. And I said, I'm gonna be honest with you. You could get 10 people in a room and ask them, Ten, the same question about end time events, you'll get 10 different answers. So I said, look, I don't spend a lot of my time on what 10 horns and three eyes and 55 tongues mean. But I know this. When it says he's coming, he's coming. And when it says on the white horse, Wearing a vesture that's been dipped in blood. And on his thigh is written faithful and true. Hello, somebody. And I don't care who's sitting in the White House. I don't care who's in, in the, on a, on a uh, position in the European Union. I don't care who's in the highest position in Russia. This one thing I know, the Bible says when he comes back, there's gonna come a sharp two-edged sword out of his mouth and with it, he's gonna smite the nations. And I'm gonna tell you what, when he comes back at the end of that book, lo, he said, lo, it is written of me in the volume of the book. Listen, when he comes back, I'm gonna tell you right now, he's gonna clean house 
and he's going to establish kingly order and kingdom order on the earth. Amen? Because in the book of the Revelation, he is revealed as, say it with me. Somebody give him a praise in here today. And he said, lo, I come. It is written of me in the volume of the book. Everything about the book is about him. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Pastor Michael, I want you to come stand up here, please, sir. Come on, Miss Mandy, you too. Uh, Miss Denise, would you and Mr. Bill come up here and stand? Tony, could I get you and Miss Kathy to come stand up here for just a moment? We're going to pray over some folk. We're just going to lay hands on folk. I want some of my, my ministers and my elders, if you would, to come up here. Pastor Michael's going to be preaching tonight, Radical Praise, in the service, special night service they're having over there tonight. And uh, I had planned on being there, but I've got to leave in just a little bit to drive across to the upstate. <clears throat> so uh, I want us to anoint him, pray over him and Miss Mandy. Hallelujah. Freddie, come on up here, sir. Hallelujah. Mr. Neese has got a surgery coming up. Mr. Tony's having some medical stuff coming up. Come on, Freddie, I want you to take this oil and I want you to go down and anoint these people. If anybody else wants to be anointed with oil, now's a good time. You can make your way on up, but I felt we needed to bring these up here right now. You know, there's a passage in the Bible that said that Jesus went with them when they preached the gospel and he confirmed the gospel by doing signs and wonders. And I'm just praying today that God would confirm some things. We're just talking about him today. Amen. Would you pray with us as we pray over these folks right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray over Denise right now. By the power and the authority of Jesus' name, we speak healing, health, and well-being to her body. God, we pray the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Manifest yourself in her. Give strength to her. God, we pray over her and we pray over Bill, her husband. I pray over her daughters right now. God, I pray peace in this process right now. By the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, who is the authority, who is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. God, we pray that over them. We anoint them with oil, symbol of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray as Pastor Michael goes to minister the word of the Lord tonight, God, I pray that, that you put an, an extra portion of anointing on him. God, I pray you to amp up the fire that's in his bones right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, he would preach like a man who's preaching his last breath to get somebody out of hell, to impact somebody's life, to, to impact and change somebody's destiny in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you rest on him, Holy Spirit, that when he opens his mouth, he does not speak like a normal man, but speaks as an oracle of God in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak over Tony today. 
Father God, we've been praying for Tony. We are gonna continue to believe for Tony's healing. God, we're gonna continue to believe for your intervention because you are an intervening and intercepting God. And God, we speak life, healing, health to his body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray strength, stamina, and peace over him and Miss Kathy today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 said behold I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will oh God and Miss Mandy I just was quick and I didn't pray for you I went straight on over here to Pastor Mike and I was praying for y'all as a couple but Lord I pray for Mandy for the anointing that you have on her life for the gifts that you have upon her life Lord, she is not in the shadow of Pastor Michael. She is a help meet and she is a strength in herself because she knows, just like Job said, I know in whom I have believed and that he is able. Hallelujah. And we bless you today, Holy Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let me bless you, and we're going to dismiss you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may God say, my name is upon the children of Northview, and I will bless them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big praise, would you? I love y'all. You can consider yourselves dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you in Jesus' name.